that good? Well, there's a, there's a stanza in there, that second stanza, about trouble and burden. And God can alter your life with your troubles and burdens. And so we talked about that a little last week. I shared some information, and I want to continue. So if you will, bring, uh, take your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I shared with you about uh, some books and some DVDs that Charles Stanley had sent me to help me rebuild my library after the tornado. He sent me several cases, and uh, going through those, one DVD, some study material, was on, uh, on burdens. And at that particular time, and even since then, that material has really helped me. And last week I shared a sermon uh, from that material that had ministered to me and um, how to handle our burdens. We looked at that last week. And so today I want us to spend just a few minutes uh, as we continue our focus on dealing with burdens as we think on the subject, how do we handle other people's burdens? How do we handle other people's burdens? Have you ever had a burden and uh, you really didn't feel comfortable in sharing it with someone else? Although perhaps you felt like you needed to, maybe with a close friend, maybe with a relative, maybe, maybe with a, a parent or a child or, or maybe uh, just a close friend. You know, I really would like to share this with them, but I don't know how they would react and I don't know if I really need to or not and and so, uh, uh, you know, uh, but you know, God, uh, we have burdens that, that really God never intended for us to bear alone, to, to bear by ourselves. And so last week we talked about burdens that, that God places on us. We talked about the burden of the Lord, you know, how... Isaiah had a burden of the Lord, and we talked about Ezekiel's burden of the Lord. And, and sometimes God places burdens on us. You ever had a burden to pray? Ever felt pressure, this burden to pray or to witness to a friend? And uh, you just had this burden to witness to that person or to give uh, to a cause or, or to a person. And so there are life burdens, there are financial burdens, there's Burdens that we have because of our children or because of our senior parents. Then the number one burden we found is uh, sin burdens. Sin burdens. Um, we don't feel comfortable. And we'll share a burden perhaps that we have with finances or we'll share a burden that we have with our children perhaps. But, but when it comes to those sin burdens, we don't, kill, we don't feel comfortable in sharing sin burdens because we're afraid that somebody might gossip about what we've shared or, or maybe uh, they may shun us from then on. You know, they may just kind of stand off and, and not have much to do with us. And so a lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll take those sin burdens and we'll just keep those sin burdens to ourselves. We won't mention that to... We won't mention that to anyone. But now, the body of Christ uh, should have the freedom to share our burdens. We need to be able to share our burdens with each other. And so as you read Paul's writings, 
you're going to find that the Apostle Paul loved to use the phrase, one another. He talked about encouraging one another. He talked about loving one another. He talked about upholding one another. But, you know, at times we want to isolate ourselves uh, when the truth would be for us to share our burdens with one another. And so, kind of keep this in mind. In Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 1 through 5. He begins by saying, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinketh himself... Well, let's look at verse 1. Let me go ahead and get verse 1. I'm sorry. Brethren, if a man, a person, man or a woman... Uh, one of the flesh, like you and me, anyone, if a, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, least also, or least thyself also be tempted. Verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens. There it is. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinketh himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Now at first when you look at that, you'll think that there's a contradiction in God's word because at one place, he says for us to bear one another's burdens, and then in another verse, verse 5, he tells us every, every man shall bear his own burden. But there's really no contradiction at all. We'll look at that in, in just a minute. But as you read the context in chapter 6, you're going to find that this chapter is, uh, is speaking about someone who has a burden of sin, someone who is burden and sin uh when you first read it it like i mentioned it sounds like a contradiction first it says to bear each other's burden verse two and then it says the person should bear his own burden now bearing another person's burden is when we're willing to get under the load with them uh where they don't have to think that they're alone in what they're going through. For the load with them, where they think and know that they're not alone in what they're going through. So bearing another person's burden is when we're willing to get under the load with that person. Now, it could be any type of burden. It could be something they brought on themselves. It could be something that someone else has caused in their life. Um, God may have placed a burden on them, like I've mentioned, to pray or to, to be more committed or to witness or, or to give. But remember, a burden is a heaviness. It's a weight. It weighs us down in soul. It weighs us down in spirit. It makes us weary and the number one burden is what this person is going through in chapter 6, and that is the burden of the guilt of sin. It may have been a past sin. It may be present sin. 
And so how do we reach out to a person with that type of load, with that type of burden? How do we help bear another person's burden when that burden is sin? Well, Paul has the answer. He's going to share that. Now, let me call your attention. Just jot down Psalm 38, verse 4, and let's, let's flip over just a minute. And I shared this last week about how David felt about his burdens. Psalm 38, verse 4. I think he has it on the screen. David says, For mine iniquities, are another word for iniquities, there is sin, my sin, my iniquities, are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me. And so David said, My sins are over my head. They're, they're high above my, they're high and they're heavy. They're getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Now, oftentimes, God allows burdens to become heavier and heavier and heavier in order to drive us to Him. It's all about Him. And so, remember that a burden, too, is also a form of slavery. We're, we are enslaved to our burdens. Uh, and just suppose, for instance, that, that a burden is a form of a burden is a form of sin. Something that, that you did in the past and you're really struggling with it right now and it's been 10 years, 15, 20 years ago. Or something, it may be something you're doing right now, some sin that you're involved in right now and it's a heavy burden upon you. Something, something in the past, something in the present, and it just keeps hanging on and on and, and you've repented and repented and repented but still... The devil brings it to mind and it's still there. It's still heavy. In that case, how does God want believers to help bear that kind of burden with an individual? I mean, what does God want us to do? Does God want us to just ignore that person? Does God want us to, to criticize that person for what they're going through? Does God want us to withdraw ourselves from that person or to shame that person? No, he doesn't. Does he want us to just dismiss it altogether or does he want us to isolate that person and not be around that person? Does God want us to gossip about that person, slander that person? Is that the way God wants us to be as Christians? Or does God just want us as Christians to leave that person alone? No, God wants us to bear that burden with that person. So the question is how we do that. How do we do that? Now to begin with, we have to clarify some things. We have to clarify some words. We have to clarify some words. Notice there in verse 1 in chapter 6, he said, if any man, that's, that's any person, be overtaken. He uses the word overtaken. Be overtaken in a fault. So if anyone any believer, any unbeliever perhaps, be overtaken. Another translation, King James uses the word um, overtaken, overcome. The word overtaken, overcome, there means literally to be trapped. You know anyone that's trapped right now in a certain sin? One translation uses the word caught. Caught. Uh, caught as in the act of. I mean, identified. You, it's, it's, it's obvious, it's known to different people. They've been caught. But it also could mean that this person didn't mean to. Overtaken also can mean 
that they really didn't mean to. You ever walked on ice and you think you're going to travel from one destination, from where you are to maybe to, to just, uh, just a little piece on, on some ice and you're trying to get to the carport and, and all of a sudden your feet fall out from under you, slide out from under you. didn't really mean to do that. You're overtaken by it. See, And sometimes people are overtaken by their sin. They didn't start out that way. They're, they're, they're just kind of like walking on ice. It's kind of like a flirt. It's kind of like a flirt. Uh, uh, all of a sudden, they didn't really mean anything by it, and they've, over, they've been overcome by it. They're, they're surprised by it. They didn't mean to do it, but they did it, and they thought they were strong enough to handle it, but they, they, they weren't. See? So they're in sin. It's been for a short time, or it's been for a long time, and didn't really mean for it to turn out this way, but that's the way it's turned out. And so it's, it's good to point out that, that there is a, there's a sense of gentleness when you're bearing one another's burdens, and that's taught throughout this passage. So Paul's showing us how to help someone who's trapped. He said, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore him. Now here it comes. There, there are people today who are trapped in sin, they want out. Believe me, they want out. They hate what they're in. They despise what they're in. But they don't know what to do. I've run across people that way. They, they're absolutely, they don't know what to do. They're unbelievers, perhaps some. Some are believers. Believers get trapped from time to time in sin. They hate it. They wish it wasn't there. They feel guilty. They feel so guilty that they'll quit church and they won't come back to church. You believe that? Yeah. I know that's happening right now in some people's lives. They think that everyone knows what's in their heart, and when no one knows, and they stand in front of the mirror, and they see themselves, and they think everybody sees themselves, see them as they see themselves, when, when really no one perhaps knows what's going on in their life. There are people that way. And so the point is that many people do not know how to deal with their sin. And the point is, every one of us who is a believer is also a messenger of redemption. Jot that down. We're a messenger of redemption. God wants to use you, he wants to use me to be a liberator in that person's life who has a, a burden of sin. Now, before that takes place, that person uh, must be approached in the right spirit. We must approach them in the right spirit. Now, first of all, if you don't jot these down, we'll mention about just a few things that we need to be able to do to help those who are bearing a sin burden. First of all, what should be the attitude of the person who's trapped in sin? If you're trapped in sin this morning, you have a burden of sin this morning, something happened in the past and you just can't shake it off and, and you don't know what to do about it, you're trapped there and you've asked God to forgive you and to forgive you but the devil keeps reminding you and it weighs heavy on you. In order to find freedom from that slavery of your sin, there must be a spirit of humility on your part. There must be a spirit of humility on your part. Do you honestly think that perhaps you're, you're so wealthy or you're so prominent or you're so influential that you just can't turn to someone and say, Brother Grady, 
I need to talk to you for a minute. I've got this situation in my life that's a really terrible, heavy burden. And I just want to talk to you about it. You see, if you cannot take this key step of humility, then you've set your own path for destruction. Now, why is that? Because your issue is pride. And one thing that God hates above everything else is pride. Uh, He just won't tolerate pride. And when you think of that, when you think of who we are as just mortal human beings made of flesh, who are we as mortal man, you know, to place our reasoning above what God's reasoning is. And so we need to humble ourselves. Pride was the original sin, and it's at the top of the list that God hates. Listen, jot down Proverbs chapter 6. Listen to verse 16 and 17. I think it's on the the screen. Proverbs 6, verse 16 says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yet seven are an abomination unto him. It starts off a proud look. A proud look. These, these things God just absolutely hates, and the first one is, is pride. It's a proud look, a lying tongue, a hand that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and run into to mischief. And so pride is right at the top of the list of sins that God hates. So pride will absolutely destroy a person. Proverbs chapter 16, look at that, if you will, and, and look at verse 18. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Proverbs 16, 18. I may not have. Listen what he says. You're familiar with this verse. He says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be a humble spirit with uh, with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And so he says, listen, God hates pride, and he says, uh, pride will absolutely destroy you. So how do we help the person who is struggling under the burden of sin? First of all, that person must be willing to humble themselves and say, hey, I, I need to talk to you for a minute. I've got something. I've got a heavy burden. But the first thing for the Christian, we have to get involved in their life. We have to get involved in their life. You know, Jesus got involved in your life. Jesus got involved in my life. The woman at the well, Jesus got involved in her life. You remember the prodigal son? His father saw him coming down the road. Did he blame him? No, he didn't blame him. What did he do? He ran and he embraced him. and He said, this my son's coming back home again. So you have to be involved in a person's life. So in order to help a person bear their burden, you have to be willing to get involved in their life. So we have to be willing. The Great Commission is about getting involved in in people's lives. And so we're not bearing their sins for them. Jesus can only bear their sins, 1 Peter chapters 3 and chapter 4, but we are helping them bear a burden. So our job is to help them bear their burden, but we want to be in a position to help them to ask Jesus to deal with their sins. First thing, we have to be willing to get involved. Secondly, if you're jotting these down, I jotted down, we must have the right purpose in mind. The right purpose is to what? Is to restore that person. Brethren, if a man, Galatians 6, 1, be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one 
in the spirit of meekness or gentleness. And so we have to have the right purpose in mind. The right purpose is to restore. That word restore is, is used of a person that's broken their arm and their arm has been set. They've had a broken arm and now that arm that was broken is someone has set it right. So to restore a person is to set them right. Same words used in mended nets. A fisherman mended nets. They're restoring their nets. They're, they're, get, they're setting them right. It means to set right. And so the point is God is using you and he's using me to help this person to be set right, to be restored. So that's the purpose. He didn't say for us to reject them. He didn't say for us to wash our hands or of them. And, but, but he says do whatever you can to set them right. You need to be able to restore them. So regardless what your bondage might be, God wants to set you free and he wants to make sure that you set right. And so you as a Christian, I as a Christian, we have the responsibility, we have the privilege of helping someone to be set free or to get set right. And so that's our purpose. Be willing to get involved, have the right purpose. But also we have to have the right motive. Have to have, have, to have the right motive. Now there's a passage of Scripture in John 13, uh, 13 verse 34. I don't believe it's on the screen, but jot this down. Jesus just said it this way. He said, a new commandment that... I, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And so our motive is out of love. We want to, we love in that person. First Peter 1, verse 4, listen to what he says in verse 8, chapter 4, verse 8. He says, and above all things, how fervent charity, how fervent love among yourselves for love, for charity, shall cover a multitude of sins. Now think of that. Charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Cover them, for you cannot see them. You see, when you love someone, we don't see the bad in the person. We, we begin to see good things in that person. Why is that? Because the love covers a multitude of sins. So our motive is to demonstrate our love to them and to look beyond their fault, because of why? Because we love them. Remember the song? He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. That's, that's speaking of Jesus' love. Jesus loved us so much, he looked beyond our fault, saw our need enough to die on the cross and save us from our sins. So here's the point. If God loved you and if he loved me in spite of all of our sins, how does he want us to accept other people with their sins? How does he want us to accept other people in spite of their sins? He wants us, regardless what they've done, to love them in spite of their sins. So to be a burden barrier, we have to accept people just like they are and not when they get straightened out. But God wants to use us to help in that process. And so we have to... Have to be, get involved. We have to have the right purpose. We have to have the right motive. And number four, if you're jotting them down, we must be spiritually minded. Look what he said there. And this is very important, Christian. He said, Brother, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. 
spiritually minded. You who are spiritual. Now, what does that, what does that mean? Well, if you and I are going to try to help someone bear a burden, we have to be spiritual. We have to be spiritually minded. You see, the most important thing is our li- in our life is our walk with Christ. That should be the most important thing in my life as a Christian. The most important thing in my life is my walk with Christ. And, and that speaks of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It speaks of being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Don't think for a moment that you're going to be a Christian in a half-backslidden condition and help restore someone to Christ. That's not going to happen. Ye that are spiritual, you that are spiritual, speaks of being filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so if you're living in sin, and if you're living in a backslidden condition, then you can't do much good for somebody else until you get your act together, until I get my act together. So so in order for you and me to help someone they must see, they must feel something different about us. We who are spiritual, he says, are to restore the person. So, one step, we need to be spiritually minded. We need to be, who, we need to be what God expects us to be before we approach that person. Number five, if you're jotting them down, we must be gentle. Look at verse 1. He says, brethren, if a man will be overtaken and fault, you which are spiritual, restore such one in a spirit of meekness, gentleness perhaps, caring, kind, loving, not harsh. Well, you shouldn't have done that. You're getting what you made your bed, now you're going to have to lay in it. You know, that's not going to help restore the person. Don't argue with the person. Sometimes it's, it's easy to argue with the person about their condition. You can win an argument, but if you're not careful, you'll lose the person. You'll have the argument, you'll win it, but you'll lose that person. So in order to help someone bearing a burden, be willing to get involved, have the right purpose to restore them, have the right motive to love them, be spiritually minded, have your act together, be filled with the Spirit, be controlled by the Holy Spirit, be gentle with the person, and then number six, be ready. Be ready through repenting of your sins. Make sure before you contact that person, you've asked God, God, cleanse my heart of my sin. Make me pure. Let me be able to sit with this person, talk with this person, and not have, uh, not be hindered with any unconfessing in my life. And so I need, to, I need to be ready through repenting. I need to be ready through praying, praying through prayer. Lord, help me uh, pray constantly. Lord, I'm going to be meeting this afternoon. Pray in the morning. Pray at noon. Pray before your meeting. Make sure you're you're bathing that meeting in prayer. And and then be ready through the dependence of the Holy Spirit. Um, It may not be the right time to speak to that person. As God leads you and directs you, uh, He knows the right time. He, you know, and you need to, to, to wait on the Lord and not push yourself, but Let the Lord open up the time for you to speak to that person. And then he gives a caution here. Look at verse 3, and we're about finished. Verse 3 says, For if a man thinketh himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. 
But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Then he says in verse 5, For every man shall bear his own burden. And so the, this passage is about you and it's about me. It's about us living the Christian life to the point that God will send someone, some person, into our presence in whom God is intending to restore. And we have to be willing to be involved. We have to be willing to love them. We have to be willing to, to, to be spiritually fit as we approach them. We have to be gentle in our wording. We have to be ready through prayer, through repenting, and through dependence on the Holy Spirit. And then he says, for every man shall bear his own burden. Now, let me close with this. What does that mean, Brother Samuel? Well, I, I mentioned to you before, um, to bear a burden is to, is to bear a burden of heaviness. A burden means heaviness, a heaviness of spirit. But there are some things that, that we bear that uh, Brother Terry can't help me with. That word bear and this burden mentioned here has a different, the word burden there and the word burden in verse 2 is two different words in the Greek. Same word in English. One is to help someone to lift a load. The other one is to carry your own backpack. It's an it's a army term, and it comes from the word uh, backpack. And so the soldier had to carry his own backpack. There are some things that some people just can't help me with I have to do myself. You know, if I'd say, um, if your children are little, you'd say, well, Brother Sammy, can you help? Can you help me take Kathy to school today? And I say, sure. So Gina and I, we take Kathy to school and kind of help you out. But we don't take Kathy to school every day. That's your burden. But see, I, I, got, uh, I was able to help you one day, but then there are some burdens that you have to do yourself. That's what God said here. Some burdens we help each other bear. Then some burdens you have to bear alone. But when it comes to the burden of sin. God's people are to be there for you and to help you with that. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to just open your word and think about burdens. Last week we talked bearing our own burden. This week we've talked about bearing one another's burdens. And so, Father, you've helped us today to realize what our responsibility is when when we have a friend, a family member, a loved one, a fellow brother and sister in Christ who comes to us that have a heavy burden because of sin, sin of the present, sin in the past. And Lord, how we're to come along beside them and help them and assist them as they seek, Lord, to ask forgiveness and the removal of sin and guilt in their life. Help us to be careful in ministry, but help us to see that we have a ministry of restoration, that we're not to pull away, push them away, ignore them, but we're to draw close to them and, and in a kind way, in a gentle way, let them know we're there for them and to help them as, as they work through that process, that we can assist them. Help us to be willing to be involved in that person's life. Help us, we pray, Lord, to, to have the the right purpose, Lord, in reconciliation, uh, in restoring them. Help us to have the right motive in loving them as you love 
them and as you still love them and as you love us, help us to love them. And help us, Father, we pray, to be spiritually minded. Father, that, that take it, Lord, serious when you tell us in your word, ye who are spiritual, help us to evaluate our life before we um, are involved in someone else's life to be spiritual, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit, filled with your Holy Spirit. Help us, Father, to be gentle with our words. Help us in some way when we walk up to them, they'll know that it's a genuine concern. Help us to be confidential, Lord, if asked to be, as we deal with this person and whatever they're going through. I pray for every person here today. Thank you for what you're going to do. And, and, Lord, as you lift the burden off of people that are even here today, and as you... Speak to our hearts of those that we need to be in the lives we need to be involved in. Help us to be ready to, to be of service. Forgive us when we fail thee, Lord, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.